You're listening to the Irish Times. I don't know where to start, Pat. Uh, I am not from Tipperary. You are. Yes, I am. Jennifer behind the desk is from Tipperary. Just give me a thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah. So the world in this room this morning, the world in this room, is a bright world. Yeah. A wonderful <laughs> yeah. world. It's funny, the, I was saying this to my mate uh, Nigel that I was sitting beside at the match and we were walking back uh, into town from Croke Park and uh, it's, it's not that we get to do it that often, but... That walk back Steady in. Steady on. Three times in a decade. Well, that's what Crimea I mean. Bleeding River. Well, yeah, see, that's the thing. is You have to be very careful saying things like that to Monaghan yeah. people and whatnot. In yeah. Diamond shoes are too tight. Yeah. Yeah, go on. But the walk back into tell town me your, Tell me of your glorious. sorrows. <laughs> You'll never know the happiness that we had. That's really what I'm saying. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, no, I sorry. I, I stopped your flow there. It is it is a beautiful walk back into town in, that, in that, those circumstances. Because... The release of energy, apart from anything else, mm. is enormous. I was talking to you yesterday morning at about half nine, uh, and uh, uh, for <laughs> for the first time, I'd say in our relationship, I had to tell you to stop cursing in front of my child. <laughs> and I didn't even realize I was doing it. You didn't at all. No, <laughs> you were mortified. Yeah. <laughs> That was half I, nine in the morning. I, the I was half wired. nine in the morning. I let the first F bomb go, but the second one I had to go. Pat, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> she copies these things. Yeah, <laughs> it is funny the kind of the pent up levels that yeah. you had because even Jenny here was saying that she was watching it at home and had to leave the room intermittently. Yeah, and my dad at home was doing the same thing. He was walking in and out, and most people watching it. I like. I was reading in one of the papers mm. this morning. They were saying about how. A poor first half yeah. gave way to a blowout. I know, and and, uh, and, and how an ultimately disappointing uh, All Ireland final. Anthony Daly in, in the Examiner says, "I don't know, it just left me cold," <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't chime with your experience whatsoever no, at all. Because <laughs> I was looking back at it, there was a point where um, one of the Kilkenny subs, uh, whose name escapes me right now, uh, Ryan, I think, uh, he's took a point with about four minutes left on the clock. Mm rather than try and drive through for a goal. And it was only when he did that that I realised, oh, this is over the line. Yeah. And there was actually about three minutes left and there were nine (laughs) points up. Whereas the rest of us realised it uh, in the 42nd minute. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everything's perspective really, isn't it? Uh, Well, this is the Added Time podcast uh, with Pat, uh, a delirious Pat Nugent and... uh, even Keel Malachy Clerkin. Uh, we're going to have Keith Duggan and Sean Moran on in a while, but first I want to tell everybody my favourite memory from last night. We were down in the Palace Bar, yeah, of course, along with the rest of Tipperary, and I, I have never seen you like this. At one point, you turned around. Now, to my eternal shame, I didn't know, I couldn't place <laughs> the person you were turning around to, but you did turn around to the great. Viking Cormac Bonner Cormac Bonner and said oh I'm really sorry for doing this but do you mind if I have a picture <laughs> and he said of course of course he was he was uh, d- delightful in his uh, in his uh, accommodating of your request so you handed me the phone and I went to t- take it and all of a sudden like 
just some random Tipperary woman stood into the photo and then another random Tipperary woman stood into the photo and we looked through your phone afterwards and like we took about seven pictures and there are two with you and Cormac Bonner in it and you can barely see you in the rest of them. Yeah, every, every picture that you snapped the frame was filling up with extra yeah. people just you jumping were, in. You were getting smaller and smaller yeah. in the back of it. But you gushed, Pat, in a beautiful, true and genuine way you did gush to Cormac Bonner mm-hmm. that you were my hero growing up. Yeah. And uh, what, 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 what did you tell him about Fox Bonner English? Uh, how When I was a kid, I was obsessed with that as a full yeah. forward line because it, it had this sort of perfect symmetry to yeah. it that it had the left-handed Pat Fox in the right corner, the yeah. right-handed Nicky English in the left corner, both skillful, beautiful kind of poems of hurlers. Yeah. And then they had this bold joint of a man in between them who would kind of break ball for them win, do all the dirty things for them and uh, and I just uh, adored them Listener yeah. this was this was the level of chat at about half eleven last night as Pat was telling me over and over about the great Tipperary full forward line <laughs> of the 1980s You did well to stick it as long as you well, did Well I did well to uh, make sure listen we have a podcast in the morning we, remember this remember this feeling <laughs> or indeed or at least these words so that we can use them in the podcast <laughs> <laughs> But let's get into it uh, Sean Moran is on one line Yep how are you And Keith Duggan is on another How are you Keith How are you all uh, we are unfet. We are we are just you know this is a a, a temporary dominated studio and uh, the rest of us are just allowed to talk and and somewhat open our mouth in it. It's a temporary dominated world. Yeah, well, it is the Irish Times after all. Um, Sean, we'll start with you. Um, what what is your take on 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 how it all went? Uh, the consensus overnight seemed to be that. You know, the, the, the sending off had a huge effect and we'll obviously talk about that. But I got the sense that there seemed to be a kind of feeling that it was turning in Tipperary's way in the run-up to the sending off anyway. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair point. And I think probably uh, a separate consensus developed in that direction as well. That uh, by the time that the sending off took place, Tip had caught Kilkenny's early surge and... You felt when Niall O'Mara uh, arrowed that ball into the net that this was a major turning point in in, in the match. Uh, I would argue probably more so than the the sending off in 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 the sense that once Tipperary got up and up and running, I felt that there was probably only going to be one winner in it. Now, obviously, there's a difference between winning and winning by fourteen points, and uh, undoubtedly, the sending off turned it into a match that was clearly available to tip on a fairly grand scale, uh, whereas it would have obviously been a lot more com- competitive. But I think what we saw in the half hour before the sending off was Kilkenny getting off to the sort of starts that they had got off to against Limerick and and building a score. But there were, the, I suppose the flaw in it was compared with Limerick is I don't think tip, tip were a little bit nervous. Their touch was a, 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 a a bit off in the opening stages, but I don't think Tip were surprised by the physicality that Kilkenny were bringing to it in the way that it had knocked Limerick off their stride. Secondly, Kilkenny had a number of quite damaging wides during their period of ascendancy: uh, Walter Walsh, Killian Buckley, Richie Hogan. In fact, that that wide, uh, Nicky English was saying uh, in his analysis in uh, in the pages this morning that. 
he thought that that wide was one of the things that would have fed the frustration uh, that Richie Hogan clearly felt, as well as the, the previous clash with, with Barrett. But I think that Kilkenny, having made a big opening play, found themselves you know, behind after half an hour. And once the sending off happened, it played into Tipperary's hands in two ways. One, Kilkenny are fairly orthodox in, in tactical terms and they didn't really seem to have a, a huge plan B for what they might do if they were man short. And secondly, for, for Tipperary, the availability of more space is 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 lethal, uh, and they they used it very well. They've been, they've they've great hurlers for for picking spots around the field and for picking out the the forwards. And Kilkenny's plan B seems to be to go long, and you've got some of the the biggest best catchers of the ball and clearers of the ball in the the Tipperary defence, and there was there was no payout on that. So yeah, it was a significant, a very significant factor in the match, but I don't think it was the determining factor. Yeah, Keith, it's true though. Um, like the first twenty minutes, it's 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 funny to look back on it now, after you see the final result. But twenty-one minutes into the match, uh, Kilkenny were eight-three up. Uh, Tipperary had managed one point from play, and like Kilkenny weren't exactly flowing. I think six of their scores were um, dead balls by TJ Reid at that point. But the game was going exactly as they would have liked to have seen it go, right down to even the rain falling and kind of making things a little bit skittery and a little bit harder to stick. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that's absolutely right. Um, it was as if Kilkenny were succeeding in kind of sucking Tipperary into that place where they didn't want to go. Um, you know, even when they were 8-3 up, I think uh, Walter Walsh had that had that goal chance, which went for a 65. Maybe they were 7-3 up at that stage. And had that goal gone in, it would have been uh, really interesting to see how Tipperary would have responded. Because they, as Sean alluded to, yeah, their, their touch was off and they seemed to be struggling to get to the uh, to the pitch of Kilkenny's intensity. But that, that scenario kind of disappeared once Nyla Mara gold. And then, obviously, what happened uh, to Richie Hogan had a, had a big bearing also. Um, like, Hogan had started fairly well. He scored a point from play, and he'd also won a free that time, and he was really clattered by Cahill Barrett. So he was clearly aggrieved um, when, 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 you know, when, he made that, when he made that challenge. I take your point, Sean. Uh, like even before the red card, the ten minutes before the red card, uh, I think Tip out scored Kilkenny like one five to two. So it 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 had been it had been developing the trade, it had been trending in their direction. But um, I was struggling last night to remember a game, a, such a high profile game where where the sending off had such. Uh, an obvious effect on 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 how the game developed from there. You know, this would like it was in no sense one of those games where, you know, the fourteen men, you know, all just tried a bit harder and and bunched a bit tighter and therefore you know overcame or or stay. Like Kilkenny completely w- f- could find no way back into the game uh, that didn't involve Tipperary spare man in defence. Do you know what I mean? Like it it just it's. It, they seem to play exactly into Cahal Barrett's hands from there on. Yeah, it was it was a bit a bit surprising for this reason that the sending off in the thirty third minute um, was right on the cusp of half time. Uh, they had the opportunity to go in and regroup and decide what we're going to do now in the in the second half. So it was 
I mean, badly timed when you lose a player in the first half, but at least there was that opportunity to do something about it. What I think kind of broke it apart was the fact that Seamus Callanan got a goal so quickly after halftime because it's not just the scoring of the goal. And the scoring of the goal was significant because you think, oh, there's a second goal for Tipperary. The margin is already now beginning to stretch. But Callan himself has this, been this totemic figure for Tip in, in attack and maintaining this extraordinary sequence of scoring a goal in every championship match. It was a very loaded score. And the way that you know Tip just drove through the middle of the, the Kilkenny defence for it and the Kilkenny defence was a little bit of sixes and sevens over it. Uh, bad luck in a sense with the deflection, I suppose, could have gone otherwise, but Callan was on to it. And when that goal went in, I think we all knew that, look, whatever chance this match had, it, it went into halftime on, on life support, but it's essentially unplugged now because Tipperary, with a margin in, in hand and a man advantage, will just pick... Kilkenny apart in, in, and that's really what happened and in fact if it wasn't for I think a bit of indulgence on Tip's part in, yeah. in the middle of the half it could have been even worse from Kilkenny's perspective because they just had no foothold in the match I mean the the, the, the puck out statistics t- tell the story although I think they were more of a, uh, a symptom than a cause the fact that the the aerial uh, bombardment of, of the tip defence was never really going to to work, as as you say, like Barrett swept really well. I mean, he anticipated where ball might be going, and it was just one way traffic in a very literal sense. Uh, you know, for an All Ireland final in, in in the second half, so uh, it it did it, it it felt. But I I think the reason it felt so significant was because as we discussed, the match had taken that that turn, and this was if you like, the the last pillar almost been knocked from underneath it. Um, and Kilkenny needed to make a bit of a statement in the, in, in, in the early in the third quarter uh, to show, maybe to just maybe sneak a goal or something to get it back into into play. But instead, it just went, went one way. And when Tip have their tails up in that sort of a situation, you know, there's only going to be one uh, outcome. They've such good strikers of the ball uh, in in defence and such lethal forwards when they're they're well supplied that, you know, you just, you, you, you saw the, the full range of things at times, like the, the points taken from, from everywhere on the field, the, just the, the deliberation and attack, the, the John Edward goal where Callum could have had another handy point for himself, but just looks up, sees where there, drills it across, uh, thir- third goal um, you know it, it was it really was an exhibition in the second half Keith let's get into the weeds of the red card uh, a little bit it was interesting watching the Sunday game both y- y- yesterday and last night if you know what I mean mm-hmm. where the only people actually saying that it wasn't a red card were Jackie Turl and Henry Shefflin who you could say <laughs> had some skin in the game but, right, just but coincidental. It, yeah purely coincidental but if um if James Owens had called over Richie Hogan and given him a yellow card, I suspect that we'd talk about it for two minutes this morning and say, yeah, Richie Hogan got lucky there and we'd move on. It was actually a brave enough decision to to do it 30 minutes into an All-Ireland final. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did you feel it was a red, true. I suppose, is, is um, the question I should ask? Uh, like, technically, it was a red. I, I do have a slight bit of sympathy for, for Richie Hogan in this Um I mean, you know, everyone said last night, the Sunday game, he's, quote unquote, not that kind of player. Um, even within that incident, I don't think he was going out to actually 
maliciously hurt Barrett. I think he, I think he went in with the intention of, of meeting him square on, and hopefully putting him out over the sideline with interest. And he realised that he wasn't going to make any contact with him. Um, Barrett managed to to evade him, and he was going to just fly over the sideline, sort of add, to add insult to injury. And he, he just trailed his elbow, and unfortunately for him, it it, it, it caught Barrett. Um, I do think you're right, Pat. Like, had had a yellow card been issued, there might have been a momentary kind of groan from the tip section, and then the game would have moved on. Um, it looked it looked pretty bad in the slow motion replays. Uh, it, it, in real time, it was sort of like a glancing blow. Um, but you know, it was you're right. It was it was a brave decision by the referee, and it, it was technically correct. And unfortunately, it's sort of all but ended the all Ireland as a contest. It is interesting the the that uh when it happened, uh I was going, Whoa, that's that's an orange one, definitely. And that was before I even saw a replay because you could I I saw him coming in with his elbow up and like yeah, Richie Hogan, not that type of player. Richie is a spiky enough little who are at the best of times. You know, he he and nobody loves Richie Hogan more than me. And I love him for that. Like he is, there is no, there's no uh, uh, conceding the fact that he's a smaller man. Mm. And and he, I saw it and I went, Whoa, the, he has a decision to make here. The very idea that Cody was coming out with afterwards that, you know, he went and he asked the Lions man and he asked, or he asked the player himself. So, you know, he obviously wasn't that sure. Like, what do we want from referees other than to take the best advice going, ask the linesman who is standing there on the spot um, and, and you know, take advice and make up your mind that way. I thought it was a, a very brave and delightfully brave decision from the ref. It, it, was, it was a red card. And you can't be cowed by the fact that this is an All-Ireland final. You can't be cowed by the occasion. He sent off Richie Hogan. It was a red card, you know and fair play to him for it, I kind of think. But, like, I was watching for the three minutes between then and halftime, Cody and James McGarry absolutely roasted the sideline, uh, the, the the linesman, standing up. And, like, at one point, uh, and I couldn't work out which which linesman it was. Uh, I wasn't sure, was it Paul O'Dwyer or the other one? But uh, literally at one stage, uh, linesman gave uh, McGarry the talk to the hand like he literally was looking out at the pitch and had his palm over his shoulder going you can literally talk to my hand I am involved in the game here you can go away <laughs> Sean uh, Brian Gavin the former referee had his column in the examiner today and he had a different way of looking at the the delay and the time that James Owen t- took to make the decision his point was he believed that James Owens was getting all the evidence together to see if there was a way that he could leave Richie Hogan on the pitch. And after getting the evidence, decided, no, I can't, and sent him off. And uh, according to Gavin, he took all the time in the world to reach the correct decision. Yeah, I think that's a a fair take on it. I think there's probably another interpretation as well. um, And I'm not sure that if it had been a yellow and... Um, you know, the game had gone on that it would have attracted little attention. I think it would have been a talking point as well if uh, if a red hadn't been shown. Um, and I think there's an element of, I won't say self-preservation, but I think referees are aware that if you get big calls wrong, it can have 
consequences. So Especially against Kilkenny, it, Sean. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it dug, dug the rest of Barry Kelly's career. Yeah, well, that's, that, that's true, too. Um, uh, and it was an interesting, uh, I won't go too far down that track, but but last week, all the fuss over David Goff and the, and the football final, um, we we know that after 2014, that Barry Kelly didn't referee Kilkenny in a big match. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think the referees tread carefully in these in these things but on the the original point that Pat's making what Brian Gavin said in the examiner uh, it was true I think he knew that this is a huge decision to make I mean to send someone off in an all-Ireland final um is a big decision and he was going through the right protocols uh, to get it right to make sure that uh, you know that he, that, that he wasn't going to, to make a mistake and I think in the I, I won't say in the crowd because the crowd um, doesn't have access to the to the TV pictures, but certainly in the in the media area where you could see the television uh, when the fine when that final angle came up and you saw the elbow up and making contact with with with, with Barrett, you kind of knew. Look, if 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 the linesman has has seen that angle and that actually was his angle on it, well, there's probably only one decision here. And I also felt from the cameras lingered on Richie Hogan himself that he had that the, the furtive air of of someone who probably realized that this uh, this could go uh, this could go badly for him uh, as indeed it did but it is just an unfortunate thing and it's not just uh, you know uh, Kilkenny or yesterday but for referees making that sort of a decision um you know they know it's going to put them in into the spotlight, and there's so little respect in the game for making decisions against teams that you know it is a it's 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 a hard road to, to walk. And as Maliki was saying, you know you get the abuse then on the the, the sideline uh, after it. So I mean it wasn't a decision that that Owens would have taken lightly, but in, in my view it was a, was a correct decision. And I think a lot of the um, a, a lot of the, the the questioning of it. Probably, you know, goes down the road of the consequences of the red card rather than the nature of the infraction and whether it deserved to be a red card. And I think a referee has to deal with the latter. And that's what James Owens did. It might actually be a high profile enough incident that it might be the stamping out of this tackle because people will kind of whinge about it for a while. But maybe such a high profile, high tackle leading to a sending off will actually mean that the rule will be enforced going forward now. I mean, it's possible. At the same time, I don't know how much it would change behaviour. Like, you know, uh, Richie went in to do, to 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 put in a forceful tackle. That's mm. the very, very least we can say about it. His elbow came up. Will he be more careful the next time about his elbow coming up? Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I like, I, I think Sean is exactly right. The, the, the sort of the, the keening and moaning about it is is more about the effect on the game than it is really about the the rights and wrongs of the of the red card itself. I get that sense that that you know people are a bit going you know it kind of ruined the game, which you can not, you can decide to to think that if you want. But as as I said in the ten minutes before, tip out scored them one five to two points. Like the game was was turning anyway. I think you know this year we've seen. Uh, a deliberate crackdown on head high challenges by 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 Croke Park, and people were talking about it yesterday. That 
you know, in the in the first uh, weekend of the of the league, Tony Kelly was sent off for a head high challenge that was endlessly debated for whether it was uh, whether whether it was dangerous or or, or not. But it, it it didn't succeed. The the, uh, the 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 challenge to it didn't succeed, and it became clear that Croke Park wanted to make an issue of those sort of challenges. So it was in keeping with what's been, what has been, you know, people say, you know, something happens in the league and then it doesn't happen in the championship because things get looser. This is actually an example of something that was targeted by referees during, during the league and is now carried through to the biggest match of the year. Mm. Keith, um, where do we go from here? Where do both teams go from here? Uh, you know, the morning after the All-Ireland, we, you know, predictions we make for the future should never really be held against us but uh, like the way Tipperary came through this summer having been so impressive early on and having won, now having gone through their dip and come back and won the All-Ireland this impressively with uh, like a really sort of buzzing young crop coming off the bench like the future ought to look reasonably bright, bright for them and we've we've been here before yeah yeah, yeah. um as 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 you know, as as you're writing this morning, Maliki, in, in in your column, um, the return of Shady and O'Shea really sort of revitalised this mm. this current team and actually kind of brought Tip full circle back to 2010. So, you know, you could see in Shady's kind of body language on the sideline and in the press conference afterwards, there was a lot of internal kind of private motivations going on this week and I'm sure the general narrative uh reached them over the over the last few days that you know this is going to be one of those tough battles and that they would probably be found wanting mm. by a point or two um and you know they, they answered that and they have their trail earnings now and the next thing for them is to try and successfully defend this there's no doubt they've got the uh they've got the squad to do that so it's it's really about just settling into it, yeah, and they're not going to lose anybody over the winter, Pat. Like you know, every, you, you, you can't there. see anyone leaving, no. can you? Yeah. Now the age profile of the team, like, is very, very good. I mean, you sometimes forget. Ron Maher's twenty three. Mm. Jason Ford's twenty five. Like these guys are are going to be able to carry on with the next generation. But isn't that interesting? Like I remember the, the you know if we go back to the very start of the summer and the naming of the first Tipperary team of the summer. And all Tipperary people that I met in between the naming of the team and the game itself went, sure, it's the same team as last year. Yeah. Where there's no, they have no new players. Sure, that's the old, sure, that team's getting old. Sure, we can't have that team. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, that was exactly the worry that why do we have all these good under 20s yeah. and why have we brought none of them th- through at yeah. all? And again, the under 20s in the main were sprung from the bench yesterday. And again, just like the semi final contributed an awful lot to the to the win. And you, you kind of think, oh, look, they have a squad now. <laughs> I think from Kilkenny's perspective, I mean, you know, every year at this time, Brian Cody is asked the question and he always waves it away and says it doesn't matter and he'll think about it. And, you know, if he decides he wants to do it, he'll come back. And it's, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a longer private conversation from this year because it's, it, Kilkenny did brilliantly just to reach that final this year mm. and returning to that stage next year is uh, it's, 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 it's going to be a difficult task Actually Sean can I uh, do something that we're, we're really not meant to do and offer up some criticism of Brian Cody here <laughs> um, 
because uh, last last um, last week we were here, we were talking about Dublin footballers and how they blitzed Mayo, and I was I was stunned by how good Dublin's display was for seven minutes. But the lads were kind of picking holes in Mayo's defence against those seven minutes, if you like. And I think that you could pick holes in what Kilkenny did yesterday with Tipperary, even when they got blitzed. I mean, first of all, allowing Noel McGrath to quarterback the game the way he did was surely a bizarre thing to do. Even with, when you're down to 14 men, surely you man-mark him. And launching high ball after high ball into... Heffernan and the two Mahers with, with, with the sweeper sweeping in behind them like as well and as clinically as Carl Barrett was doing. That was an awful game plan and it was actually, they actually moved away from their off the shoulder running, working it through the lines game plan that they had used throughout the season which would have been perfect with, to play with 14 men. Yeah, I think there are all reasonable points but I think the problem is that when something like that happens to let's say, uh, send a contest down uh, an unexpected road, a lot of plans can go out the go out the window. And Killian Buckley had done well on Noel McGrath in the, in the early stages, but he seemed to be running out of steam. And Kilkenny just didn't, I think, have the have the resources to to take, you know, the, the, the remedial action that needed to be taken. An interesting thing about yesterday's final was that, you know, for, for, for the first time in a while, Tip were conspicuously more experienced mm. going into it. The, the, you know, their players were seasoned All-Ireland winners um, for, for the most part, whereas Kilkenny had a lot of new players introduced. And it's very hard for new players coming into an All-Ireland final to necessarily play up to, to, to the standards that, that they'd want to or even the standards they'd set at other times during the year. So I think that was a difficulty uh for them, they, they've they've never been that tactical a, a team anyway. I mean, their 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 ideal is you know just this ferocious taking the, the other team on physically um, when they and and basically blowing them off off the road as happened with, with Limerick in the early stages of the of the semi final. And I th- think it is worth making the point in the context of of where uh, hurling is now that. You know, one of the biggest things that happened from Tipperary's perspective, I think, is that Kilkenny beat Limerick in the in the semi final. Um, I wouldn't change my my view that I held at the start of the the campaign that Limerick, for me, are the best team uh, in the country, and for whatever reason, um, they didn't make it through the, the the semi-final. I think it would have been a very different game if 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 Limerick with a semi-final win behind them had come in against uh, Tipperary. But I think that from Tip's point of view, the way Kilkenny wanted to play was going to not trouble them as as much as, as the way Limerick would have played. Because, you know, you, you saw... Um, in the in the semi final, that you know Kilkenny were really aggressive uh, against Limerick and, and physical. That doesn't really bother Tip too much. They're quite a physical team themselves. Although, it, as Keith was making the point, tends to get overlooked in the you know the the quality of the the forwards and everything. That there's something delicate or a feat about them. That wouldn't be the case. So I think you know Tip rode their luck this year. I mean, again, Nicky made the point that. Coming out of the Gaelic grounds at the end of June, like you couldn't, unless you were on asset, you couldn't see Tip winning the All Ireland, and it it changed for them. And what that proves to me, uh, taken as a as a, as a pair with last year and the new uh, 
system, the the new uh, championship format, is that the team that manages its dip best is the team that's uh, probably best placed to win the All-Ireland Limerick. Last year had a, a big dip, uh, getting beaten by Clare in, in Ennis. It meant they came third in, in Munster, made their way through the preliminary quarterfinal, picked up momentum, went again and then peaked um, in the All-Ireland final for tip. Their big dip came in the in the Munster final. And undoubtedly, you know they weren't as bad as they looked uh, that day. Um, but it was it was quite a shattering defeat, and the scars of it showed a bit against Leash in, in the in that quarter final. So uh, uh, they then were able to pick up momentum in in, in the, the semi final. Now you can't ordain that you'll have to win a semi final with fourteen men. But the fact that Tipperary did it, I think, really bolstered their confidence going into the final. And then going into the final, they probably were playing the right opposition from from, from their point of view. So, you know, the way the championship is now, it's you know, the, it's a very long road. Um, it's funny because in, back in, at the start of it, um, as you were saying, Malachi, Tip were kind of criticised. Where are they at? Look, look, look at the age of that team. Like that. That team, you know, with, with an under twenty under twenty winning team coming behind, like, uh, why are we going with the same players? And and yet after the Cork match and for the first three matches of the Munster round robin, people were almost getting ready to give Tip the All Ireland yeah. at that stage because the the quality of their play was was, was spectacular. Um, but then they had their dip and they managed their dip and and they came back. I just think it's interesting. I mean, obviously it's only two years and can't be drawn huge trends out of what's happened in two years, but that's what those two years have in common. I mean, not, well, no team has gone through the, the championship unbeaten. Uh, and for me, it's the team that, that that managed its setback best that has come through to, to win. I mean, in both cases, with very good displays in, in All-Ireland finals, but I wouldn't be... Uh, I wouldn't be declaring next year's championship uh, off at the moment because the future is t- is tips. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Well, on that on that bitter word, that anti-tip <laughs> undercurrent from our Gaelic games. That's it, Sean. You're banned from the you're podcast. Gone, sorry, you're gone. Um, merciful release for Me Sean Moore. <laughs> uh, listen, lads. Thank you so much, uh, Sean and Keith. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you to you, Pat. Thanks, Bob. Thanks to Jenny behind the desk and JJ, and we will see everyone next week. Cheers, folks.